Hello, happy people. Welcome to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pillay with the Profitable Happiness Podcast. And it is my pleasure today to introduce you to my new best buddy here in Austin, Texas, Micah Lawrence. Micah, how are you doing today? I'm doing so good, Dr. Pillay. It's good to see you. I'm excited to be here and talk to you today. Oh, absolutely. You know, Micah, I was uh, checking out all your content and looking at all the things you do. And I see the coaching and the leadership and team development and just a lot of exciting stuff. And, you know, I want to hear about that. And most importantly, I want to learn how you do what you do, because you're out there, you're just making things happen. But before we get to that, tell us how you serve people in this world. What problem do you solve? What's the central focus for your business in terms of problem solving out there? Well, for the most part, so if I were to summarize this, it's that I help people increase their own self-awareness so that they can be more active participants in their life rather than passive participants. And I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but I feel like a lot of people accept who they are as just a part of who they are. And they think, well, if I'm going to be authentic, I'm just going to show up however I show up and this is who I am. But I want to give people control back to themselves so that they decide this is how I want to show up in my life and give them kind of the power and the self-awareness to do that better. Wow. You know, you said something there that just got me thinking. Imagine being a passenger in your own car. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, like, you know, as you said, give them a sense of control of their own destiny, right? That's, that's, right. that's or, or being a, uh, or being a, a, an extra in your own movie. You don't want to be that, right? <laughs> that would be so disappointing, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about the problems that the folks that you're describing, you know, um, experience, you know, every, every, every one of us has challenges, um, Describe some of the challenges that your yeah. ideal people you help experience so that if they're listening, they can get themselves in the frame of mind of how you can help them, maybe. Well, I would say there are really two, there are two kind of audiences that I help the most. Mm-hmm. I work with a lot of leaders and startup founders, so small business owners, startup founders, entrepreneurs, and we have deep discussions about leadership topics. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. The other, the other audience that I usually work with are just career professionals who want career coaching. And so with leaders, a lot of what we're talking about, especially startup founders, a lot of what we work on is the fact that they, at the beginning of starting a business, are required to do everything. That's just, as a a startup founder, you have to be the marketer, you have to be the CEO, you have to be the project manager, you do every role. And -hmm. what's nice if they're seeing success is that as they grow, they get to kind of hone in on what they really want to do and what they're best at as a leader. And so that's what I work on with leaders is let's dig into who you are as a person, what's important to you, where you draw energy mm-hmm. and start to surround yourself with a team of people who can complement the things that you're best at and the areas where you draw the most energy so that you can continue to do the things that you're best at as a leader and surround yourself with complementary partners that help you be at their best and also allows or helps you be at your best and allows them to be at their best too. So that's really, that's the focus that I do with leaders. And then with career professionals, I've, I've worked with so many people who have come to me feeling confused almost that they can be really good at their job and yet hate it. 
Mm. They come home from work every day and they're like, I don't even like this. Why am I doing this? I feel drained. I feel like I'm, I'm working so much harder than the people around me. And yet I get paid well. I have good benefits and it seems like I should love what I do because I'm good at it. And so I work with a lot of career professionals to understand their strengths better, to understand who they are and help them find the right environment where they can not just be good at what they do, but also love what they do. So I would say those are the two areas of expertise or focus. Wow. And, you know, you are a certified Gallup, um, you know, Clifton Strengths uh, coach. You're also certified Uh with the ICF. And I love Uh to see that because, you know, a lot of people call themselves coaches, but you are a coach with the certifications (laughs) and you get stuff done. But can you you tell us how you became the successful uh, coach uh, that you are today? Give us a sense of your story. Absolutely. So it's interesting. I was in the corporate environment for uh, a little over a decade and Mm -hmm. I did a lot of strategic planning facilitation. So I was a facilitator. I ran workshops. And even though it wasn't my expertise, I had a lot of our sponsors, our executive sponsors would come and ask for some kind of team builder. You know, everybody gets tired after lunch during a workshop. Why don't we do something that's a little bit of a team builder to split up the day? Mm-hmm. And I had been given the Clifton Strengths Assessment from Gallup. I'd been given it on a team that I was in um, previously, and I really loved it. I thought it was e- extremely accurate and really interesting that a lot of people around me had taken this assessment, including myself. Mm-hmm. And we, we all thought it was accurate and interesting, but we never used it. We didn't talk about it after we took the assessment. And I've seen this story repeated in a lot of the teams that I've worked with over the years. But at that time, I decided, you know what? I'm going to use it. This is going to be something that I use as a team builder for a small portion of the day when I'm facilitating strategic planning workshops. And it was interesting over the next five or six years, as I was incorporating this into the work that I was doing with teams around Mm -hmm. strategic planning, it started taking more and more of the time in those workshops. And it became something that I slowly became an expert in. Just having done it so many times, I memorized all of the Clifton strengths. I knew their definition deeply, and I started recognizing better ways to apply a strengths-based psychology or a strengths-based development approach Mm -hmm. to these teams and help people work better together. So I almost accidentally became an expert on the Clifton Strengths Assessment and realized through a conversation I had with my wife one day when I would get home from work and I wouldn't be talking about the stuff I was paid to do. Mm. I was talking about the Clifton Strengths work that I was doing with teams. Like that's <laughs> yeah. what I loved was helping these teams learn about themselves, learn about one another and and have light bulbs go off where mm. they would realize like, "Oh, we're different in these ways." And we could work better together if we did these things or if we communicated differently. And mm-hmm. so it was almost like through this five or six year period of time, I didn't realize I was, I was kind of reinventing myself mm-hmm. and creating a new career that ultimately led to me leaving my corporate job and starting my own business as a coach and team development workshop leader. So that's, that's kind of how my story went from not doing this at all, or at least not getting paid to do team development and coaching to being the thing that fills me that I, that really has become my, my calling in a lot of ways, because I love it. I love what I do every day. And I have, a, I had not seen that coming until my wife asked that question. Um, <laughs> she asked, why aren't, why aren't you doing this full-time yeah. instead of what you're doing full-time? And that clicked for me and the rest is history. You know, what I love about your story is that you are the paradox of 
profitable happiness, which is yes. what we're talking about uh, yes. with our podcast here. I mean, I love seeing people like you who have taken the thing that makes them happy and they've put it in the path of the things that make them profitable. I mean, yeah. in fact, you, I would have to argue, you are in the minority because so many people believe, oh, don't, you can't follow your passion or love, do what you love. That's a, that's a fairy tale. It's, it's a myth, you know, but actually <laughs> here you are, right? Yeah. I love it. Well, um, and that's, I've got to, I've got to jump in here because that I am a product of my own teaching and yes. I didn't realize it at the time, but because I took the Clifton Strengths assessment, it wasn't like this assessment is a magical uh, answer to everybody's questions. It's not a silver bullet. There are lots of assessments out there that are great. Yeah. In fact, we talked about that a little bit before. Mm -hmm. but what it did do is it helped me increase my own self-awareness. And I have some strengths that lend themselves really well to coaching and training and facilitation. And I didn't know that at the time until I looked at my assessment results and realized I can be good at my corporate job, but not as happy as finding a role like coaching and facilitation where it aligns really well with my strengths. And I can be not just good at my job, but really happy with my job. And, and I've worked with lots of people who say what you just said, it would be irresponsible for us to all follow our passion and do what we love. Yeah. But what's really interesting is that through years of doing this work and talking to different people who have a variety of different strengths, I've talked to people who will say, my, my perfect job is the job that I'm in as an accountant. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait, what? And when we <laughs> talk about their strengths, we talk about things that they love numbers. They love, they, they don't want to interact with people. They like being alone at their desk and having music on in their headphones. It's yeah. like to them, they can be passionate about being an accountant because it aligns with their strengths and what brings them energy. And so I think sometimes people hear, well, we can't all follow our passion, but following our passion is different for everybody. And if yeah. you know yourself and you know your strengths, you can find that little pocket of joy in whatever the job is that, that brings you happiness that's aligned with who you are and what your strengths are. Well, you know, they say um, uh, a lot of people focus on uh, performance and results and outcomes uh, and they forget that the thing that produces performance and results and outcomes is the thing that makes you come alive. And yeah. if the thing that makes you come alive is not in the mix, you know, the happiness and all that is not in the mix, you, you'll struggle making those yeah. results. And it's funny because the world needs more people like you. I'm going to put myself in that category who have totally. found the thing that makes them come alive and are using those things every day in the work that they do. Um, so anyway, I'll, I'll get off my that. high horse. You can see we agree on this topic, right? Yes, we do. We do. Um, let me let, let's see if we can talk about um, some of the how. You know, I think that one of the things I love about podcasting, and I know you're also a podcast host, but let's talk about um, you know how because one of the things I love about podcasts is you know it's a place to learn. I, I get some of my best learning from folks like you who teach things that that really I can resonate with and take away. So. Tell us how you achieve results with, you know, you've talked about assessments, you've talked about some of the data-driven approaches to coaching, uh, your certification approach. Give us a sense of how you actually produce results for people. Absolutely. So what I think the best way to do this would be to talk about a couple of examples of strengths that often come up in the conversations that I have with startup founders, leaders, or career professionals who are trying to figure out like what, what is the best 
place for me. So, mm-hmm. and, and actually, I'm curious, you've never taken the Clifton Strengths Assessment, right? Oh, I have. You have? <laughs> yeah, but I can't what? remember any of my stories. You remember any of them? If you want okay. to ask me that? No, no. <laughs> but I'm, I'm fully aware of it. It's, uh, I mean, okay, so you asked me this. Now I got to show you. Now yeah. you got to find it. Okay, good. This see, is going to be fun. See, you see this book here? I don't know if mm-hmm. you can see this. You know, yeah. anybody who can actually, you know, the funny thing, I'm going to do something I rarely ever do, which is turn my lights off uh, at the risk of you seeing. So we can see this book. Only my teeth. Oh, yeah. The seven song. <laughs> I saw this. Yeah, I saw that. So this know. in this book, uh, t- team development and leadership development, um, the Clifton Strengths approach is like uh, primary. Number one. Cool. So you cool. and I are like we're almost brothers from another uh, mother. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm going to make some assumptions then that maybe you you and I have similar strengths because we kind of have been drawn to the same style of work, mm-hmm. but I'll use it in the context of teams that I've worked with. So mm-hmm. one of the examples that I often bring up in team development workshops mm-hmm. that seems to resonate with people is that there are certain strengths that show up on opposite ends of a spectrum, almost like they're contrasting strengths. And for anybody who's not familiar with the Clifton strengths, there are 34 of them total, 34 different distinct strengths that different people use to achieve success or to be good at their work. And nobody has all of the strengths, but everybody has some of the strengths. And what's interesting is that when you take the assessment, Gallup actually orders them from one to 34, one being the strongest, 34 being the least strong. And it doesn't mean that you're you're always necessarily bad at the things that are at the bottom. It's just a reflection of how you think and how you see the world. So if it's a high strength for me, I'm likely to think, feel, and behave in ways that align with that strength. And if it's a low strength for me, I'm unlikely to think like somebody who does have that strength high for them. So there are statistically some strengths that if it's high for you, then another strength is likely to be low for you. And in other people, if that low strength for you is high for them, then another strength is going to be low for them. So it's almost like they're just unlikely to show up together in any one person. Mm-hmm. And the, the names of two strengths that often come up in these workshops is called communication is one and intellection is another. And they can exist together in any one person, but most of the time, when I work with teams, we'll pull up everybody's strengths and some people will have communication and some people will have intellection. And it's such a fun conversation to have with teams because people with high communication tend to like to talk. They enjoy being engaged in conversation. They like to think socially. They like to think externally. They process how they feel and how they think about certain situations by doing it verbally. So you'll often hear someone with high communication say something like, well, let me use you as a sounding board, or I'm going to think out loud here for a second, because that's literally how they process their thoughts and feelings is out loud. And so they can be really comfortable speaking in a meeting or with strangers or whatever. Now, people with high intellection, on the other hand, tend to be internal processors. They don't want to say what they're thinking until they've had some time and space to really process it. And so sometimes that means if you ask them on the fly or on the spot to share how they feel about something, they don't know what they think or what they feel about it yet because they haven't had time to think about it and process it. They need a day, they need a couple of days, and then they'll come back having thought through deeply what's going on. Now, this is the how. 
when we have these conversations with teams, mm-hmm. light bulbs always go off. They'll look at the people with communication and think, well, duh, of course you have, of course you have that strength. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And then when they look at somebody with high intellection, oftentimes they didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. And it clicks. They're like, oh, that's why you're quiet sometimes when we talk about something new or complex. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you see the self-awareness growing, not just for, for you, like I know myself a little bit better mm-hmm. because we're describing these strengths, but I can also, my other's awareness grows as well. I realize, wow, people are different than me. So yeah. Dr. Pele, I don't know if you're, if this resonates with you, I'm high communication and I yeah. would assume you're high communication too. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Totally, totally comfortable talking, yeah. but we're going to work with people sometimes that that's not comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. We need to honor other people's strengths too, and realize just because this is easy for me, that mm-hmm. high communication being comfortable talking doesn't mean that that's easy for other people. And I yeah. need to respect that in other people and let them be who they are mm-hmm. while I expect them to help me be who I am. Mm-hmm. So the how of how this really helps teams is we're, you, it's a new language. Yeah. We're putting words to explain things about ourselves that either we didn't know how to explain mm-hmm. or we didn't realize needed to be explained because we didn't realize that other people think differently than us. It's those conversations that are really powerful um, aha moments for mm-hmm. teams that I work with. What are your thoughts on that? Well, well, for one thing I can say is I can see how it energizes you and I, um, you know, to, yeah. to, to talk about this material. But I know that there are people out there and some may be listening who don't really see the direct link between what we might call these softer (laughs) skills uh, like communication and so on and Mm -hmm. business outcome and and profitability. How would you help someone who says, Hey, wait a second. I'm not, I don't have time for emotions and behavior (laughs) and, you know, emotional intelligence or whatever it is you have to sell me today. I don't have time. I just want to see dollars and cents and results. How do you help people realize that that, that these are, these two are the same basic thing. They they connect. Question. I love that question. Gallup has actually made this really easy for us to make that connection because for decades, they studied these strengths in the people who were most successful at what they did. Mm. So all 34 of these strengths, they found evidence of people using these strengths, every single one of them, in some of the people who were the most successful in their field. And this was over decades. Mm -hmm. During that time, they also studied what companies have been most successful and how that aligns with strengths. And they they didn't coin this term, but Gallup really owns this term of engagement. Mm-hmm. If employees are doing what they do best, or in other words, if they're leveraging their strengths in their work every day, mm-hmm. those employees are likely to be better at their job and they're likely to enjoy their job. And when that's true, you have more engaged employees. Mm-hmm. So there's this alignment between between strengths-based psychology and engagement. And the other, the other half of the equation is that if people are engaged at work, if employees are engaged at work, mm-hmm. then you start to see movement in true business KPIs. Mm-hmm. There's lower attrition so or lower turnover, higher productivity, mm-hmm. higher job satisfaction for employees, higher customer satisfaction because the employees love what they do, lower shrinkage and and people are um, more likely to show up to work and mm-hmm. give 100%. So they've actually made a connection 
between what you would, I love that you said it this way. Well, this is kind of soft, fluffy stuff. Oh, you know, checking people's strengths, knowing what their strengths are, letting them do work that's aligned with their strengths. That is not fluffy HR people skills type stuff. Mm -hmm. These are things that if you allow people to be using their strengths at work, they're more engaged. And when people are more engaged, you actually see an increase in profitability. Yeah, that, that, if that answers your question, it absolutely does. I mean, it, I mean, if you think about it, th- these are self-evident <laughs> things. If you look at anyone who's f- fully and truly successful in what they do, you can see that their engagement level is just off the chart. That's like almost requirement number one. And then on the other hand, you see people who hate what they do and aren't happy doing what they do. Well, guess what? They are not engaged at all. So it's like, I can see this. The data is easy for me to verify. So you are completely on point. Let's um, shift to a topic though, that I think um, comes back to this whole idea of engagement. And that is Mm -hmm. the topic of our show, which is profitable happiness. You know, if if the thing that makes you happy, the thing that makes you engaged, because in a lot of ways, well-being and happiness and engagement, they're all sister and brother concepts, right? Yeah. If the thing that makes you happy is able to bring you to profit, how does that work? And I'm asking, because you're an expert at this. I I see the happiness in in what you do on the web and what you're doing here. Um, And that's how you create profit in your life. How can you help or we help people bring their happiness and their profit into the same conversation? Yes. Let me... Let me tell you a story. I'll share an example of something that I've just been working with a leader recently who is a founder who was, we were talking about an employee who for months was a high performing employee mm-hmm. and he was management potential for this small company that, that's growing quickly. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it seemed, he started to lose that motivation and they weren't able to connect why that happened. All of a sudden, his performance was not at the level that they were seeing for previous months. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that this CEO, this founder, is very much a numbers person. And he's tracking the numbers. He's looking at profitability. He's uh, tracking people's progress and metrics to see how their performance is doing. And he's paying his employees very well. They're mm-hmm. compensated well. Their benefits are, are great. And so it, it was confusing to see somebody lack motivation when they were achieving their goals and they were making a lot of money. And as we looked at this employee's strengths, one of the strengths stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is, this is interesting that this high performer has started to lack performance because he had high belief. And that's the name of, of one of the strengths that was in his top strengths. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that belief was low for the founder that I was working with. And so what that means is that we would need to talk about that strength for the founder to understand where somebody with belief might be coming from. So as a quick definition, somebody with high belief needs to feel like they're contributing to something bigger than themselves. Mm. They need to know that the purpose of the organization they work for or the mission of the organization that they work for aligns with their own personal values, because then they can go to work and they can feel good about what they're doing. Like, I know that what I'm doing outside of getting compensated well I can be proud of who I work for and what I'm doing. So I often see a lot of people with high belief talk about how they'd love to work for a nonprofit someday, like when they retire or maybe even early on in their life, because that connection to something they believe in is so important. They'll take a pay cut in order to work for some organization that they're aligned to and that they're passionate about. And so when I talked to this founder about the employee who has high belief, 
who is lacking motivation, I, I thought, I wonder if he's not seeing the connection between his work and the contribution that, that your company is making, and mm-hmm. you can help him connect those dots. What was awesome is his, before, before we even talked the next time, that employee came into their next, the next one-on-one with their leader. And before the leader could even bring up the idea of feeling a connection to his work through the belief strength, mm-hmm. that employee brought it up himself. He, they hadn't even brought it up yet. He said, you know what? I feel like I'm not as motivated these days because I don't see how I'm contributing to something bigger than myself. It was out of, out of nowhere. We had just talked about that. And this employee was saying, I'm not connected to the work that we're doing. And his performance was suffering. Metrics weren't being met. And this was a high-performing employee two months ago. Hmm. And so they were seeing all the benefits of an engaged employee previously. But, but once he stopped feeling that connection to the work that he was doing and the mission of the organization, mm-hmm. his performance suffered and the numbers suffered too. Hmm. But once they realized, oh, that's important to this person, we need to connect the dots for him to the, the contribution he's making to our organization, they were able to re-engage this employee. And this is this was two weeks ago. So I'm expecting to hear the story that when he's re-engaged because his belief is being spoken to, mm-hmm. they'll see an increase in those numbers again because he's feeling motivated, intrinsically motivated, and that belief is being fed. He's feeling connected to his work and his performance will continue to improve because he's more engaged. Mm-hmm. Wow, you know, I I have to ask you because you, you you've uh, you really laid out the map for how this works, and I think you better write a book. By the way, <laughs> um, do you plan yeah, to I write will. a book? Actually, do you do you have one in the works already? I don't. I don't right now. I think I would love to do that someday, but a lot there are a lot of books out there that are um, based on strengths based psychology, mm-hmm. and so my my personality would be that I'm going to wait probably a few more years, collect more of the these stories and really the examples of how to use this in the workplace and then find find the topic around strengths-based psychology that hasn't been done in other books. And then I'll I'll go to town and I'll and I'll send you one. Uh, I'll be the first. I want I want the, I want to be I want to get a copy of that. <laughs> um what I was going to ask you is, you know, what do you have like on your in your plans that you're excited about next? Um, if it's not the book right now, what else do you have that's coming up that you're excited about you can share? And where can people find you on the web to connect with you, learn from you, maybe even hire you? Because I think yeah. uh, a lot of people need what you do. Yes, I love that. Well, the thing that I'm most excited about right now is my podcast. So this is something that we haven't quite released it. We've interviewed about 10 different startup founders. Mm-hmm. And what's fun is that I actually have these startup founders take the Clifton Strengths Assessment before we even meet for the podcast episode. And Ooh. while we're recording, this is often the first time that they've taken the assessment. So they're seeing their results for the first time. And mm-hmm. we're talking about who they are as a founder and how that affects their leadership. And what's fun for me is that all of them come with a different set of strengths. Mm-hmm. And it kind of shows that the podcast name is, is Founder DNA. Mm-hmm. And it shows that many founders with many different sets of strengths can be a successful founder. There isn't just one recipe for what a startup founder looks like or what an entrepreneur looks like. And I'm just excited about the idea that many aspiring entrepreneurs, aspiring startup founders will listen to this podcast and hear people like them on the podcast and see that there are people like me 
who have been a successful startup founder and we don't all look the same. So that, yeah. that I would say is the thing that I'm most excited about. And I do think you would be a great guest for that. And I'll have you, I'll have to have you take the assessment again so that we can talk about some of those results and what makes you who you are. Uh, I am really active on LinkedIn. So people uh-huh. can find me on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and I do have a website, micahlawrence.com, where I do have a couple of online courses and other resources that I'm happy to share. Well, you know, I have to ask you this question just from a personal point of view, because I want to get this right. Where does your name come from, Lawrence? Because it's spelled with a C at the end. Yeah. It's pronounced with an S. Tell us about that. I want to know. Yeah, most people think it's French. They, they, and they'll say it all fancy, like Laurent. And I'm like, oh, that's way too fancy yeah. for what's actually happening. It's, uh, it's Czech. It's from the Czech Republic is where ah, the name comes from, Lawrence. That is a very cool name. It's kind of yeah. chic. <laughs> right? I know. It's fan- people people are, are a little bit more um, excited about it than, than I am because I'm used to it. But it always throws people off. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, Micah, I really appreciate uh, all of your insights. I want to thank you so much for being a a guest on our show. And I look forward to staying in touch and learning more about everything you're doing out there in the world of coaching. Thank you so much. Me too. Thank you. It was my pleasure. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. For more episodes, visit drpalay.com. And remember, get happy first and success will follow. 